From down under. Do. Or do not. There is no try. G'day, mate. How you going? G'day, mate. How you going? This is your pal, Adam O'Brien, the Feather from Down Under, and this is episode number 12. That's right. 12th episode of this here podcast. Come to you live from Quinlan's Cantina in the Gold Coast of Australia. And folks, well, this week we're going to be looking at Solo A Star Wars Story now that it's out digitally everywhere. And I'll tell you what, I had a mission and a half trying to get Apple TV onto a normal TV. And you guess what? I figured out it didn't work. <laughs> well... I found a smart TV, and um, I wasn't so smart to put it together with Apple TV, but now I've figured it out, and I've been watching some Solo, a Star Wars story. And let's just face it, this is a great flick. It is the best of the Disney era of Star Wars films. The release is great. We've got some great, um, again, deleted scenes as they always do. They finish them off and put them out on the film. Um, the film looks amazing digitally. And uh, let's just say the behind the scenes look fantastic. And the fact that we actually have speeders built on a V8 chassis. That's right, a V8 that's got screaming around the place. No wonder Alden Ironreich had a great time playing Han Solo. That's right. So tonight, we're going to get straight into our interview with our guest tonight. We have my dear pal and fellow Star Wars fan, Eric Onkenhout joining us here on the show to chat a little bit of Star Wars. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Fanther Tracks Radio's The Fanther from Down Under. I'm your host, Adam O'Brien, and uh, coming to you live from Quinlan's Cantina in the Gold Coast of Australia. Joining me all the way from Boston in the United States of America is a dear friend, and he is a Star Wars fan, just like the rest of us as well, and he loves... Star Wars. That's right. Joining me here is Eric Onkenhout. Mate, how are you? Hey, Adam. <laughs> Good to see you again. <laughs> Good to see you again too, buddy. Mate, how you been? I've been very well. Thank you very much. How have you been? Yeah, really good, really good. Obviously, uh, we caught up on my previous show on uh, my old network, but now on the UK's Fair Tracks Radio, we're here to chat about Star Wars today, and um, what a time to be a Star Wars fan. We have Solo just about to release on digital forms. Uh, it's just come out here today, um, yeah. and I'm going through some of the special features a little bit later on today, but what are you looking forward to uh, in the digital release? I always like the extra footage. I always watch that first, and then I watch the movie, because I've seen the movie already. So I want to I want to watch the behind the scenes, the extra deleted scenes, and then I'll watch the movie. Nice, yeah, same here. And I'm the same. Like I'm somebody that wants to, you know, I've seen the movie in the cinemas. I've seen it, you know, maybe two or three times, and uh, yeah. I actually get to saw it. Uh, I saw it here in Australia at a drive-in movie theater, which was pretty oh, cool. Oh, cool. We had one near me. Like that's like pretty rare. Oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah, it's rare out here too. Uh, <clears throat> I do believe this is the last one in Australia. So, um, wow. yeah, yeah, we didn't get to um, uh, see a lot of the, the great ones over the years there. I think the last movie I saw in the drive-in was Xanadu. Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> it's a few few years ago, I think. <laughs> yeah, my sister had that soundtrack on record. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I was like six. Oh wow! Um, yeah. But yeah, it was actually it was a double bill. It was Greystoke, um, Tarzan, Lord oh, of the yeah. Apes movie with Christophe Lambert, and yeah. um, and then it had Xanadu afterwards. And um, I didn't I didn't know until recently because I hadn't seen even that one. Uh, since then, uh, when we got the DVD for Greystoke, that Ian Holm was uh, one of the, the guys in the film, that one of the cast members. I'm like, wow. So, huh. yeah, a little bit of a touchstone of having an immortal, you know, Christophe Lambert with um, uh, Bilbo Baggins. I, 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 I uh, have a little secret to tell you is that I have a few songs from Xanadu on my iPod. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Actually, yeah. Xanadu... Um, I was looking at a little while ago um, when I watched, I think it was Warriors. So the yeah. um, uh, the film Warriors, there was a Blu-ray release that came out of that. And um, anyway, we're going through the cast because a lot of the cast aren't probably not big stars now, um, except for maybe David Patrick Kelly, who was the, the main bad guy that was had those little beer bottles in his hand. And he'd go, yeah. Warriors! Warriors! <laughs> Yeah. Come out Come to play. play. He's great. And, of course, he was famous for later being held over the, the top of a, a, a cabin by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He goes, you know, Sully, how I was going to kill you last? I lied. And he lets him go. <laughs> 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 um, That's yeah, oh, he's great. He, he would turn up in random stuff all the time. And um, he actually even played, I think, the president in Letters for, uh, it was it Letters for Iwo Jima, it was Flags of Our Fathers, one of those movies. I can't oh, remember yeah. the Clint Eastwood did. Um, but yeah, the rest of the cast had been sparingly in different stuff, but the main actor, um, whose name escapes me right now, was in Xanadu as the main lead, and he was also mm. in Babylon 5. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so there you go. So yeah, it's funny how like oh. you, you might look at one film, but... Um, things like IMDb are always great to um, rekindle a bit of, uh, I think, lost movie trivia sometimes. Yes. It really is. Definitely. Isn't it? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, to warm up our yeah. trivia chords, I have a little bit of uh, Star Wars Top Trumps uh, quiz with a twist, it's called, to go through. Okay. So, I'm going to randomly, I'm not even looking at the cards, I'm just going to pick up whatever, and we'll go from there. All right. First question. Where does Poe Dameron hide the information that Law Santeca gives him about Luke Skywalker's location? In BBA. Perfect. Well done, well done. Okay. All right. So that's a nice, nice good one. All right, here we go. I'm afraid I'm going to joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go, here we go. Which opening crawl begins with, it is a period of civil war? A new hope. Perfect. Well done, mate. Thank We're going well so far. There we are. All right. We'll just do five of these. So third one. Here we go. Okay. All uh, right. Oh, this has got. What does Yoda say is a flow that is more and more common among Jedi, even the older, more experienced ones? Um, overconfidence? Yeah, basically it is. Yeah. So overconfidence and arrogance. Yeah. Um, yeah. being, being too sure of themselves. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the, yeah, 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 we'll call that correct for sure. All right. Oh, this is a good one. Here we go. 
What are Obi-Wan, Anakin and Padme riding on Genosis when they're surrounded by destroyer droids? Um, a week. Correct. Correct. Very good. Wow. Actually, that's... Sometimes I amaze even myself. <laughs> hey, that's a quote from Star Wars too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, who takes Jar Jar Binks to the bosses when he returns to Otogunga? Is it Boss uh, Naz, Rep Leone, or Captain Tarpos? I want to see Captain Tarpos. And you'd be right. So five out of five, okay. mate. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Well done. It's always good. These are great little... Um, between this and um, probably the Trivial Pursuit game, I'd have to say, yeah. these are really good for um, particularly everyone from uh, fans like ourselves, which obviously live and breathe Star Wars a little bit more than the, the regular movie fan. But the yeah. other... The other it's, it sort of covers enough of the base within the films that uh, anyone can enjoy that game. Yeah. So I have a Trivial Pursuit. It, it covers... Uh... The original trilogy, and I think it came out right before episode one. So a little bit of like special edition and like Phantom Menace. Oh, nice. And me, me and a friend of mine used to play, he's a huge Star Wars fan too. And it, it would be one of our turns for like a long time. And we finally got one wrong. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Like I got the, the last time I played Trilby Suit, the ones I got wrong ended up being ones that, should know straight away, and, and it was the, the the tough ones that I, I would know like that. Yeah, it's funny how you kind yeah. of. I think we take for granted some of what we do with um, like trivia wise with Star Wars because we we you know it's such a big expansion of the universe over the years, whether it's in the books or uh, the new TV shows, and it's only going to get bigger. So yeah, yeah. I, I always find that interesting. You go, oh wow, okay, I should have known that from Return of the Jedi or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, you, know? you start like overthinking or stuff like that. Oh, definitely. But. So last week we had Star Wars Resistance uh, trailer, full trailer out uh, in all necks of the woods. And um, got to say, from my own point of view, I love, first of all, the animation. I love yeah. the feel, which is kind of, when you look at it, it's it's about racing. Uh, so it's got that um, Star Wars pod racer feel to it because we've got a mm. home base that everyone's at. And they're souping up their, you know, their rides, basically. And yeah. there's kind of a Robotech feel, don't you think? Yeah. See, I heard Filoni say that he was really into World War II aircraft, and that's why it's it's about what it is, which I'm also very much into. Mm. I, love, I love fighter jets and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I love the trailer. I thought that the ships look so... The, cool they're like the best part of the whole thing <laughs> oh they are and they're kind of it's hard to tell whether they're meant to be starfighters or just like atmospheric uh craft which will be interesting to find out in the show itself but i love that they're sort of i suppose almost like test fighters if you like like they're yeah you know um it reminds me of an anime from years ago which my dear friend richard epcar how are you doing richard if you're listening today was a part of and that is of course the one, the only, Macross Plus. And he brought his amazing baritone voice uh, to play uh, one of the characters in that one. And that's all about, again, test planes or test fighters, in this case, with Mecha. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to follow that line. Well, isn't one of the characters' names Jaeger? 
But yeah, that yeah. automatically made me think Chuck Yeager. That's right. Actually, folks, uh, if you haven't got Chuck Yeager's uh, Facebook page as part of what comes up in your wall, do it because he brings up such golden uh, info when it comes to the stuff that he's done um, as a, a, a test pilot. Um, funnily enough, a friend of the family who lives in Reno, Nevada, was actually yeah. one of the um, test fighter pilots for some of the F-100 Sabres and stuff like that. And um, I don't know how well he knew Jaeger, but um, some of the stories are just, just how ballsy you had to be to get behind these experimental craft because you're basically riding a rocket, basically. It's basically like a, an engine with the seat. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just watched uh, The Right Stuff for the first time last month. That's a that great was, film, isn't it? The long movie. <laughs> it is, it is, but, but it's it's an amazing film. Yeah, I I, I think uh, about halfway through it, I started to get like more interested because they were starting to go through the the training, what they had to do to prepare. Because I didn't know anything about that stuff, so I guess they had to send each pilot up in space on their own first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a good movie. Oh, definitely. And what I think about it is too is um, with it, um, you know, yourselves obviously uh, learning about this in in the United States or or out here. I think it's it's interesting to find the different developments as they've come along, and find you know obviously the people that have pioneered it, but also yeah. how it has advanced that technology. So whether it's um, people reaching the moon with the you know the Apollo missions or or just breaking atmosphere, which was a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been only in the last couple of years we've had things like, um, I think Red Bull, of all companies, had somebody do the longest, highest um, parachute jump in the world ever. Red Bull. Red Bull. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I'll, I'll send you a link later. It's um, yeah. basically, yeah, a guy went right up to the top, uh, the, the jumper, I can't remember his name, but it's past the stratosphere, and literally was um, stuck in space. And he was in a little capsule. And he, okay. you know, he had his own little little setup of um, basically, you know, uh, everyone telling him, right, you're at such and such a, you know, height, get ready. Uh, and he had to go through the whole list of stuff, just like an a- a- astronaut would, basically, before yeah. he could release. And then you can actually see him coming through the clouds like a bullet. I mean, it was coming wow. so, and, you know, he had to have the protection that obviously like a shuttle comes down or any object, yeah. you're going to get the heat. So he had to have that heat um, resistance as well. But, yeah, yeah, the fact that he landed on his feet, just chill. He's just like, yep, okay, let's do it again. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I like I like being on the ground. Same here, mate. Two feet on the ground. I'm, I'm the same. It's a little bit like Bruce Willis in Die Hard when he's, um, you know, I'm the same every time I take a flight. At the start, he's kind of like, you know, what's what's the way to get away from, you know, the feeling of flight? And um, he yeah. says, you know, take your shoes off, walk around on a, a rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. So here we're going to be chatting a little bit of Star Wars. Obviously, Resistance, great trailer. I'm really interested to see mm. where we're going. Now, I think all we're seeing in that trailer really is is probably just the premiere episode. I don't think it's just going to stay in the one spot. I think we're going to see a lot more planets, uh, a lot more characters. But what's going to be uh, interesting is that Cold War angle. I mean, it really has a um, 
Uh, and I want you to get your thoughts on this too. I think it's, it's going to be touching base on the, the advancements of in the 1950s jet aircraft. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks good. <laughs> I, I love the animation also. I don't know what it's going to be about. I know it takes place six months before The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those shows, those animated shows, they always kind of start off kind of tame and then they work into the more heavy stuff later on so i mean we've only seen a teaser that's right so it's really you can't really tell too much from that other than like what it's going to look like oh 100 percent. So, and i think you're right you know you look at the clone wars how humble um that amazing show started um yeah and i kind of think about where it's gone to i mean who who would have thought season five we would have you know, the likes of Dooku and, um, you know, uh, how he sort of wrapped out that whole uh, mystery from Attack of the Clones with obviously yeah. um, Sifa Dice, you know, coming in the way he did, you know, which was a, a really exciting bit. And also then Maul coming back and going, you know what, I'm going to make my own rule of two, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. In, in The Witches, uh, Mother Charles, I mean, oh, that wow. show didn't really get start to get going for me until season three. That's right. Yeah. So, what a lot of people don't know is, had it kept going, you were going to go and see these guys in the series. Oh, gosh. Yep. Yep. And the Vong. Can you imagine the Yuzan Vong uh, in an animated uh, spectrum? I mean, it could have happened. Um, and, well, it may happen. You never know yet because, you know, guess what? What's back? Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I never thought I'd see the day. I know. I, know. I wasn't really like... Uh... I wasn't one of those Clone Wars saved people. I just kind of like accepted the fact that it wasn't coming back. So mm-hmm. when, it, when it was announced, I'm like, no way. <laughs> 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 I think I, I had a lot of the same sentiment as a lot of people when the trailer started playing. I'm like, oh, what, is this like a tribute? Yeah. You know, what's going on? And when they started showing new footage, I'm like, oh my God. I think I... I may have cried a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got emotional too. And the one that got me was, it was not the, the second part of the trailer where they you know, come into the, I suppose, the war room or whatever it is, uh, yeah. and meet meet together again. It was not that. It was the one where the, you see all the helmets, and it was oh, the, yeah. the radio footage. It was kind of like, righto, break your 10, here we go, we've got this, yeah, this, yeah. this, and I'm like... Because what got me about the Clone Wars is, uh, and it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm a Vietnam veteran's son, so I know all about the, mm. the sort of radio talk that they do, yeah. whether it's on Hueys or vice versa, and that military jargon that they used, you know, the alphanumerics and stuff like that. And yeah. that really felt like the real deal. So when they're, you know, when they're talking about landing the gunships and the troops getting on the ground, it... It was really well done. I mean, for for sci-fi. I mean, let's face it; it's a kids' show. But and that's 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 all D. Bradley Baker's voice. Oh, all of it! It's amazing. Oh, you know, it's ridiculous. And and I think had they well, see how they go with it. But if they ever go live action in and around that era, I know they've got Tem Tamura Morrison obviously played mm-hmm. the live action quota of it. But I think even Tem would say, "Look, let D. Bradley do the clones. Let him do the clones." Because at the end of the day, that's He's re- he's done more of it, and I think he's done. Yeah. Re- he he is Rex to me. He is, no matter what you do, 
it's Rex, it's Cody, you know, it's, it's always, um, my favorite personally is Cody. Yeah. I, I, I like Rex. Um, it's funny cause a lot of those characters get pushed out in the Clone Wars. So mm. when, when you think of like, uh, Obi-Wan or, or Anakin or Padme, I think a lot of the times most people think of the actors that played them in the Clone Wars and not mm. the prequels. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting like that. I mean, you look at even Kenobi, um, obviously played by, um, you know, um, different people through, there's been, how many now there's, so you've got Alec Geddes, Ewan McGregor, um, James Arnold Taylor, and we also have, Bradley Baker, D Bradley Baker. And who did it in Rebels? I'm thinking. I think it was James Arnold Taylor. Okay. No, no, no. It was Steve Bradley Baker, the one where he, he defeated Maul for the second time. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it Steve Bradley or was that uh, Stephen? What's his name? I'm trying to think. You know, you're right. Steve Bradley Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is like, because um, I mean, now we've had photos of um, Ray Park next to Sam Whitwer. So you got the two Mauls together now. You only need the yeah. the voiceover actor from uh, I suppose the first film, uh, Episode One, Peter. Sarah, I'm going to try his, uh, the, yeah, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Nitwitz, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi, you know, all that sort of stuff, yeah. um, great stuff, um, but imagine to have them all in the same room, you know, <laughs> it's great. They were great. On the Star Wars show, um, uh, like consecutive weeks, mm. I think Sam Whitworth was on last week, and then, uh, and Ray, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. He had a uh, and Andy had that great interview with him. Andy's great when it comes to the interviews because she's a fan like we are, and I, I yeah. like the fact that she's she asks the kind of questions I suppose we would. You know, I mean, this is this is the great thing that Lucasfilm do. And hats off to you guys. You know, the fact that you hire people that first of all care about the brand because they're fans. Second of all, put the passion of their fandom into what they're doing and have fun. I think I think that's like. I'd say 99% of the people that work at Lucasfilm are Star Wars fans first. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. And, and that's what's so um, great about it, I think. You know, you've got people that really care. And, um, you know, they get into it as much as we do. I think it's fantastic. Now, speaking yeah. of that, um, we were talking a bit off air just before about um, soundtracks. Now, for you guys out there who uh, are into LPs and stuff like that, You'll like this. I've picked up one. It's John Williams' The Boston Pops Out of This World. And um, what's interesting is that Eric um, also has somebody in his family who has the same one but on CD. Yeah, my dad's. Mm, it's amazing. What I love about these is the not just the artwork, but there's a lot more info. You know, they really give you... It's, it's a bit of an art piece when you get one of these. And, um, I mean, this one covers everything from 2001 E.T., uh, Alien, Jaws, Jaws yep. yeah, and Battlestar Galactica, which was um, always great. So I mean, again, it's a little bit of everyone, but John Williams conducting the entire lot. So it's kind of it's interesting because it's his, um, I suppose, ode, if you like, to all those others. So that's a great mm. one. And if you are, well, I don't think this is Star. I know Star Trek. I suppose it is. It's a medley, and also from Disney's The Black Hole. The mega oh. one, which is great. That one I do not have. And this one's fantastic. It's um, 
basically a group of different musicians, and it's all produced by uh, Miko uh, Monado. And um, basically, it's a different medleys from both Star Trek The Show, the film, and also a little bit of, I think it's Wrath of Khan, if I remember, in there too. But then they uh, on the second side, it's music from Disney's The Black Hole, which my pals from Phantom Podcast Network absolutely love. <laughs> That's good stuff. It is, it is. Um, but when we uh, really get down to it, I think what's great about the music like that too is that, you know, I think John Williams really, um, you know, influenced so many different people. And um, uh, I was only talking about uh, his other scores um, the other day with somebody, and they talked about, you know, and I didn't know enough about his TV credits. He did the original Lost in Space. Yes, he did. I actually knew that. I knew something you didn't know for once. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, if, if you look at the credits, he's, he's called Johnny Williams. That's right, he is too. Yeah. Johnny. Wow. Yeah. Now, there you go. There's something you find, you know, sometimes here and there that um, yeah. you don't know. And oh, I didn't know that one, so. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I know, right? Now, obviously, uh, last year we chatted, uh, but there's been a couple of new Star Wars films since then. So I want to get your thoughts on, we're going to start with December's release last year, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. This film came out and obviously... You know, in a response to The Force Awakens, The Force Awakens, a lot of, let's say, um, fans who I think um, get exactly what they want each time. They get a Star Wars film, which is very entertaining, but they always have something to whinge about. And one of the things was, oh, it was too derivative. Episode 7 was yeah. just a new hope all over again. Well, you know what? They got what they wanted. They wanted a Star Wars film they hadn't had before. And guess what? They got it. Yeah. And then guess what? <laughs> We're crying again. Yeah. And we, so what did you think of the film, mate? What, what are the things that you enjoyed about it? Um, so what did I think about it? So like the first time I, I, I any time a new Star Wars movie comes out, I always go with my niece and her husband. It's like a tradition. And uh, so we left the theater that night. And I remember the three of us were like looking at each other like, what the heck was that? I mean, we all liked it, but we didn't know what to think of it. Mm-hmm. It was pretty deep for a Star Wars movie. And uh, it was the first time I was like, I don't know. And, until I went back the second time, which was like the next night. And uh, I loved it. Mm. You know, I think it's like the most artistic film, Star Wars film. And uh, it's different. It's very different. But it's also, I mean, it's very Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And it's different. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you can complain about that. So. Plus, it's also Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that too. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people sort of um, said, oh, I'm trying to figure out what this film felt like. And um, I remember somebody, um, you know, um, talking to me about it. And they, they'd seen it maybe three times. And you're like, well... Yeah, okay, I get it. Poe Dameron is basically Apollo in this. He's he's trying to lead the fleet into a way to safety, you know, and they've lost mm. their home. They've lost, again, it's that sort of, um, you know, nomadic existence that the Resistance has become. And that's part of the story yeah. of the this trilogy. It is. It's finding a new home and making um, the era safe again. Um, that's true. So it's an influence, but... It's funny how uh, Star Wars influenced Battlestar, but now Battlestar influenced Star oh, Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. I love that. The circle you know? is now complete. 
Yeah, that's right. So what did you th- think of that amazing opening? Obviously, we've got this uh, movie takes place pretty much right off the heels of the uh, first film. And yeah. uh, we have the evacuation of Dakar. And um, we get to see an amazing opening with uh, an, a souped-up, supercharged X-Wing uh, with Poe Offer. That was fantastic. Yeah. Well, an opening scene where the, the camera kind of zooms down at Dakar and it goes through those uh, ships that are, I think, you know, leaving. Yep. And uh, I remember seeing that in 3D. Oh, wow. And uh, I actually saw it in 3D with Richard and Sierra from Skywalking Through Neverland because they were visiting uh, and they were in, in town. And I went with them too and uh, a few other people. And um, and that that was kind of, it gave me the willies for a second because it was 3D and it got all these ships coming at me. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That was that was a pretty cool scene. That that was probably one of the better beginnings of a Star Wars movie, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm told it's kind of like a little bit like when um, uh, I think in 3D that's similar is probably Avatar or the start of Avatar, where you have that huge colony ship coming on a colony ship, but the the colonial ship that um, goes out to Pandora, and it's coming yeah. past you with all the shuttles and stuff like that. Um, Cameron got that part right. He really got the, the sort of the density, I suppose, of the, the, the visual. And yeah. especially when you got inside the ship and everyone's waking up and Sam Worthing's like, oh, g'day, mate, how you going? Where am I? You know, and uh, <laughs> looking around, you know. Yeah, you know, that's one thing. Uh, yes, folks, Sam does break that Australian accent in there, here and there in Avatar, if you listen to it. So, um, yeah. so there you go. Um, that's but what's interesting, too, is I love the, the opening, too, with that, Obviously, we've got, we find out that um, Billy Lord, so obviously uh, Carrie's uh, daughter, playing the mm-hmm. same role from Force Awakens, is a bigger part of this. And I really love that um, now she's, by this film, really taken into, a, a, first of all, a speaking role, which is great. You know, we finally have a yeah. character. But I think, let's hope, episode nine, give her a bit more time in front of the camera. She's fantastic. I think, I think. That will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you know, it'd be, yeah. be the way to do it. But yeah, and I, I, what I love too is we've got um, new officers in the First Order who just think they're fantastic and get what they're just deserved by the end of this entire opening sequence with Captain Kennedy mm-hmm. and um, that huge new uh, Dreadnought. But we also yeah. have General Hugs. <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge fan of that guy, i got to say. Yeah, he's, he's good. Have you ever seen the movie Dread? Once. Once. Like a year ago. So do you remember his part in that? No, wait. Maybe maybe not. Maybe, I think I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. Okay. So in Dread, he plays um, one of the guys that works for um, the building. So the building where Dread gets caught inside. And um, yeah. he's basically the, the computer technician, if you like, of the bad guys. So he's, um, well, Mama, as her name is in it, it, she basically makes him lock the place down, make sure all the security's in place, and that the Dread and his partner are caught inside. They can't get out. Mm. Okay. So he's the one with the eyes. His eyes have got, like, computer uh, readouts inside, things yeah. like that. So, and there's Domino Gleeson, son of Brendan Gleeson from In the Bruges. And also huh. Braveheart, he played um, uh, Mel Gibson's Offsider in that one, which is um, Hamish. 
The guy, the guy goes, I should have remembered the stones, hey? <laughs> Your film knowledge is like beyond comprehension. It's out there. He's, um, <laughs> you have a memory like I've never seen. It's all in here, mate. I only keep the stuff that's useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, no, Brendan Gleeson's great. He's um, one of those actors that um, I think um, should be in Star Wars too. Bring him in. He's awesome. Yeah. You know who I'd like to see in Star Wars, but it won't ever happen. Is, Tom uh, Hanks? Oh, uh, what's his name? He, he Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, God, he's, that'd be great. Yeah, but he's, I think he's retired now. He is retired, yeah, unfortunately. He would be fantastic in Star Wars. I agree. Because, again, yeah. he becomes a character fully. Like he, you know, no yeah. matter what he does, you know, he becomes a character. Actually, surprisingly, we were talking about him yesterday. I had uh, one of my old um, podcast uh, buddies, uh, Brad Macker here, and we were watching the film uh, Sylvester Stallone's Cliffhanger. And oh, yeah. the um, composer that did that film did Last of the Mohicans. And oh, wow. believe it or not, if you listen to it, there's little bits and pieces of the Mohicans music in Cliffhanger. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, once once Macca had told me about it, I went, oh, wow, yeah, I actually see that. And it was it through yeah. as it played. You're like, wow, that came out of nowhere. I kind of like, yeah, I can kind of see it being that, you know. And yeah. I think Gangs of New York, he was fantastic in. That was hands down. I, I just watched the Phantom Thread, I think last week or the week before. He was, that was his last movie before he retired. Mm, I haven't seen that yet. So, um, and is that a good movie? It's very good. It's... You know, it's one of those movies where it's not, there's no action. It's just like, it's very, um, the pace is a little slow, but you're just so enthralled with like the acting. It's like, you don't even care about the pace. You're just like, these people, it's like, you're not even watching a movie. It's like, you're watching real life. Mm. It It was really good. He was great in uh, There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. I didn't, I didn't even realize it was him until about a third of the way through. I was watching it at my parents' place. I was um, over there for breakfast. Yeah. And it, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And that's, I think the thing is, with his roles, um, there's only one role I've really sort of picked him out in that he was just doing what he does. But um, And that was The Bounty with uh, Anthony Hopkins and um, mm. uh, Mel Gibson. Now, this is... Very early Australian film, and it's all about um, uh, the bounty with Fletcher Christian and uh, Captain Bly, and um, yeah. basically it was a British. Uh, the history of it for you listeners out there that may not know, history is that basically um, Captain Bly and Fletcher Christian had a, a uh, ship that they were on going around the bottom of uh, South Africa, and they're on their way, I think, to um, uh, the islands and stuff like that. But anyway, they had a meeting of the ways where they basically didn't agree on things and Fletcher basically commandeered the ship. And um, yeah. But anyway, it's, it's got a great performance by Anthony Hopkins. It's very pirate-like where he goes, damn you, sir, damn you, yeah, you're not taking my ship, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it actually sounds like a pirate. It's, it's quite good. Um, but there's a famous Jedi Master on that ship too, believe it or not, along with the King of Rohan, no kidding. So who's the Jedi Master? Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try and see if I can uh, do this, and you got to try and uh, figure out if you know who the Jedi Master is. Okay. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but 
but you will use the light side of the force. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. That's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a feeling it was going to be him. And you know he was he was doing it at a time where he was doing movies like Kroll. Uh, he did um, uh, quite a few American films at the time, but he was also a day player, basically. So he's doing a lot of work for the studios at the time where they go, right, we need a really burly six foot six guy to come in and play yeah. this role. And he would just chill out in the background, just smile and going, right, when's our tea break? You know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, a, what a cast, though. Huh? Daniel Day Lewis, Anthony Hopkins, Liam Neeson, Mel Gibson. Yep. That's right. And the wow. king, king of Rohan. I can't remember his name. Yeah, the captain for the Titanic, basically. The same guy. Mm. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out. You have to check it out. Who um, also is in a film worth checking out called Franklin. Franklin. Okay. And this is Ron Philippe's, um, uh, let's say, uh, gothic uh, comic hero uh, movie. Right. You haven't seen that one? No. So this is basically, came out about, I think, 2009 or 2008, and it's about a war veteran who uh, comes home who's having basically delusions of reality around him. He thinks he's in London in a um, sort of, I suppose, a steampunk environment and that he's a hero taking out the bad guys. But in actual fact, he's basically a, a veteran with PTSD. So there's interesting parallels where you see the story from his side and the story from the real side. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar, you know. It didn't get yeah. a uh, theatrical release out here, believe it or not. And, um, yeah, I think it should have. It's a fantastic film. But, anyway, back to Star Wars. Good <laughs> <laughs> sidetracked. I get sidetracked, yeah. So, Timothy Zahn's been a busy boy. He's always mm. been a busy boy. And believe it or not, he's been so busy that uh, Lucasfilm gave him a call and they said... Hey, uh, hey, buddy, hey, Gowan, how would you like to write another book? You know, and um, he said, yeah, yeah, fine. And, of course, he did, and he did a sequel in ways to, of course, Star Wars Thrawn, and we get Star Wars Thrawn Alliances, uh, which mm. is, I think, one of his strongest stories in a little while. Uh, but let's get your thoughts on it, Eric. Um, you've read the book. What did you think? I liked it better than Thrawn, I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked, I liked, I liked how it, you know, it, it would go from Anakin and Thrawn. So is this spoilers? This yeah, go for it, mate. This is, mate, it's been out long enough that if people haven't okay. read it, guess what? Too bad. So, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it was Anakin and Thrawn and Invader and Thrawn. I think going back and forth was done pretty well. Because I remember reading the last shot, and I was getting confused, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the timeline. So I, I like that. I kind of felt like Vader was kind of um, Thrawn's kind of lapdog. I mean, it didn't really... And he, and he kind of... I know Thrawn was in charge, and put in charge by the Emperor and all that stuff, but I kind of felt like they should have been working together more instead of Thrawn was kind of like telling them what to do all the time, but... Mm. And then he was keeping secrets from Vader. And I kind of feel like that was on purpose just to keep the story going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did like the book. But, you know, it's funny. I know we're going to talk about Solo later on. But mm-hmm. after finishing Solo, and that was a blast to read, I look back on Thrawn Alliances. And 
it felt kind of cold to me. And I'm like, well, I guess that's appropriate because that's how Thrawn is. Mm-hmm. So, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you've nailed it. And that's, it's very character driven, uh, this story. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the strengths that Timothy has. I mean, you go back to Here to the Empire, even the Cobra books that he does. Uh, yes, I read quite a few of his books outside of Star Wars as well. Um, he's a very, uh, let's say, they're character driven to a point, but he's somebody that knows his military law. And in some ways, Sherlock Holmes like delivery of this guy. When Sherlock Holmes is always a cold character, there's non emotion mm. in it. That's why you've got Watson. Watson is the human part to that so it's kind of like an operating mechanism if you like and that's pretty much what Thrawn is you know Thrawn is somebody who looks at things outside the box because I think he's more a machine I mean, even more so than Vader you know he's kind of yeah. like alright here's the rebels this is how they're attacking us um, right it's a standard pattern mm, how would I do and he's like a computer he computes what the outcome would be right well I'm going to use gravity wells boom 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 surrounds his yeah. and, and basically a little bit like Genghis Khan or even like, you know, uh, any famous, um, you know, uh, Hannibal or whatever. They, he would work something that would surround his enemies and be able to um, basically cut the head of the snake pretty much quickly. Yeah, it's very calculating. It got to the point where I was reading it and I must have been close to the end because I was actually getting a little fed up with how, how uh, precise he was with everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, is this guy, I mean, I know he's not a human, but he's close enough where it's like, how can this guy be so, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to, trying to be PG here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just so rigid. Yeah. I'm like, is. dude, lighten up, you know? Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, what's funny is that I thought to myself, I, I, I would not... I don't like the Empire, or as Luke would say, I hate the Empire, but I would work for Thrawn any day of the week because I know he's going to get the job done. Yeah, And he treats, his, he treats his people pretty well for an Imperial, you know. He does, he does. Officer. Even in the old books with um, Pelion, you know, he's offside. You know, like everything was by the book, but he also rewarded people. You know, if you did yeah. something for him, he, he looked after you. Um, I think the other thing I like about this book is we get to see Galaxy's Edge Batu in the film. In oh, yeah. Film. G'day, mate. How you going? This is Adam O'Brien, the Feather from Down Under. And like George Lucas, there's another George out there. That is George Miller. And he created an amazing franchise by the name of Mad Max. On Fandom Podcast Network's Couch Potato Theatre in a four-part episode series... I host Maximum Couch Potato, looking at all of the films in the franchise, along with Kevin the Raider Nerd Reitzel and Kyle Wagner. We look at each of these films. We've done 1979's Mad Max. We've also done The Road Warrior, or no doubt here in Australia as Mad Max 2. But soon, airing on the show, we have our look at Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, the huge international epic which teamed Mel Gibson and Tina Turner together and had an amazing soundtrack. So go and check it out. Our look at Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome on Phantom Podcast Network. Well, g'day, mate. How you going? 
Well, that is the end of the episode here at, of course, the Panther from Down Under. And I want to thank Eric for being on the show, and you'll be able to catch Eric in a couple of weeks' time for the second part of his interview here on the show. And uh, while we're at it, we're going to chat about a little bit about what's upcoming here in the next month or two of the show. I'm going to be out and about doing the tour. That's right. I'll be touring around looking at the local comic cons. That's right. Here in Australia, believe it or not, we have people from the other end of the world coming down here to Australia to see us, the Star Wars fans down here, and show off what they've got to show us, which is, of course, new films, new TV shows, new books, you name it. And, of course, we have Darth Maul. That's right, Darth Maul, all the way from the UK. He's coming down here to see us and tell us all about what it's like to be a Sith Lord and, of course, to be Snake Eyes in G.I. Joe. I can't wait. And, uh, of course, we're hooking up a chat with him as soon as he gets here in the Gold Coast or Brisbane or wherever. And we've also got a lot of uh, great science fiction talent like Kira Dali and Gary Lookwood, of course, of 2001. Of course, Gary's also in Star Trek, the uh, first episode with, of course, Captain James T. Kirk. So we'll be chatting to them and getting their thoughts on the current era of fandom. But I hope you've enjoyed the episode tonight and uh, don't forget to jump on iTunes and leave a review up there. Let people know what you've enjoyed about The Fanta from Down Under and, of course, even our sister podcast, Making Tracks. We'll catch you next week, next Saturday on Fanta Tracks Radio's The Fanta from Down Under. I'm Adam O'Brien. May the Force be with you.